0: Um, We're starting a new series tonight, and it's called Say Goodbye. Say Goodbye. I think it's really appropriate. Um, Last week, we had a guest speaker come, a friend of mine, Pastor Kyle, and he asked me before he came, pastors, you know, we do this, we'll say like, hey, I'm I'm thinking I could preach this message, or I could preach this message, and he kind of told me the summary of each message, and I was like, oh, that one, and he preached a message last week. It was called, We've Been Here Long Enough, and I said, that's perfect, because I'm about to start a series that's called Say Goodbye. We've been here long enough, and now it's time to say goodbye. (laughs) So, So This series is, I think, going to help you, and I really think it's appropriate for my life because my life has changed, and I just became the father to a beautiful little girl. Yes. Thank you. She's amazing. Little Lila, beautiful baby daughter, and we're so grateful for her, but a lot of people told me, they said, say goodbye to the life that you thought you knew. Say goodbye to sleep. Say goodbye to leaving your house at a moment's notice because life will never be the same. And that's true. Life has changed already. I'm learning all kinds of new things. I'm constantly Googling things about babies and now I'm getting ads for baby things all the time. (laughs) I found out the other day, you know that it's actually okay that babies will sometimes go up to four days without pooping. And that's totally normal. You know, I didn't know that. I was worried. I thought she was broke. <laughs> but I found out that's okay. It's normal. And so I wasn't worried anymore. But I did notice that after a couple days of waiting for a dirty diaper, you start to develop a sense of dread. Like the way, the way that Californians start to worry about the big ones striking, you know, like... <laughs> I started to worry, like, when is the big one going to come? Like, every dirty diaper, I'm like, man, is this the one? Is this the one where there's like an explosion? And so would you believe that after two days, when my wife was out of the house, the big one came. The big one came. And we learned that the babies need skin-to-skin contact in order to, to really flourish and so once in a while, you know, Amy or I will try to just like grab a little Lila and just like kind of hold her up, you know, next to the skin. And, and do you know that it was during skin to skin time that she decided to unleash the beast? So, you know, she went, she went, she did her thing. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good dad. And so I'm like, I'm going to change her diaper. And I, and I went and I, I started cleaning her up. But it turns out that what I thought was the big one was just a tremor. And it was, it was as I was cleaning her and her little baby bottom was up in the air that the big one struck. You remember those old toys where like you put the Play-Doh in and you squeeze and like the Play-Doh just starts coming out? Or maybe you used to make like, a pasta maker, it just starts coming out. Like so there I am and then it just starts coming out and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want it to get all over the changing table so I panicked, I just put my hand down and started catching it. And then I ran out of real estate, so I was like, oh no. And so I started swirling it. Just like, soft serve ice cream will never look the same. I'm there like a butcher taking it out of the sausage maker. Just like swirl, just like coming. And, and so by the way, if you're a guest, um, I'd love to meet you after service and just shake your hand. And just welcome you. But man, the life I thought I knew, say goodbye. I didn't think I would be elbow deep in it that quickly, but I was. And I'm, I'm thinking that this is an appropriate topic. The title of this message is, Say Goodbye to the Old You, Say Hello to the New You. Aren't you grateful that you get to say goodbye to the old you and say hello to the new you? You cannot be the new you until you say goodbye to the old you. That's an important truth we have to understand, because we live in a day and age where people, they want to upgrade, they want bonuses, they want add-ons, they want in-app purchases, and they think sometimes of Jesus as just another upgrade to their lives. Like, Jesus is just an upgrade to my life. My life's, you know, okay, and I want to add a little Jesus in, but that's not how it works. Jesus doesn't come to just make your life better. He came to make your life new. And that's a very important principle that we're going to talk about. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. This is an important passage we'll talk about tonight. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and you were raised to new life. Say new life. life. If you've come to church for a while, you've probably at some point seen someone getting baptized where they get dunked in water. And maybe you've wondered what's that about? Why are they doing that? What does it mean? Uh, Maybe is that something that I need to do? Um, Or maybe you're a Christian and you got baptized and you're not even really sure why you did it. It just seemed like a radical way to show everyone that you were all in for Jesus. or, Or maybe you got baptized and you did understand it, but you just haven't really thought about it much. It's just an event that took place a long time ago and you really haven't looked back. I want you to understand that baptism is a deeply significant experience in your faith journey. It is a physical action that represents a supernatural transformation. That the old you is dead, buried, and gone, and you have begun a new life in Christ Jesus. Aren't you grateful for your new life? Come on, somebody. You're grateful that you have a new life. I want you to understand this, that baptism represents the new life. The old is gone, the new has come. And and I think that's important because I always hear people saying, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better husband or a better wife, a better mom, a better dad, whatever it is. And it's good to want to be a better person, but that isn't what Jesus came for. He didn't come to make you a better version of your old self. He came to make you a new creation. Um, I don't know about you, but my first car was not fancy. It was a Chevy Astro minivan hard to feel cool driving a minivan when you're 18 years old. And uh, I was not sitting around daydreaming about the day that I would get to upgrade my minivan by putting new rims on it or a new paint job. I was thinking about the day I would get a whole new model of car, right? Like anybody else had a junker for your first car? You didn't want to upgrade your junker. You wanted a different car. You need to know that Jesus didn't come to put new rims on the Geo Metro of your life. He came and he said, your old life is broken. Essentially, it's junk. Let's go ahead and tow that to the junkyard. I've brought you keys to a paid for new life. So I don't want to upgrade a junker. I want the new life that Jesus has for me. And this new life is represented by baptism. I want to teach on baptism about what it is and correct maybe some misconceptions and then what it represents. So first, five things about what it is. Number one, baptism is an ordinance. We call it an ordinance. Um, Catholics call them sacraments sometimes, but Protestants generally call them ordinances. Two ordinances in the New Testament, communion and baptism. Communion, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, and then baptism. It might help you to remember this. An ordinance is an ordinary practice with deep spiritual significance. It's ordinary, it happens all the time, it happens regularly, but it has a deep spiritual significance. So it's an ordinance. Second, it's a command for all Christians. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then look at this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Which command should we obey? All the commands. And the very first command for a new Christian is be baptized. So this is not just an optional add-on for the really committed Christians. This is a step for all Christians. It's a command from Jesus Christ. That means it's not optional. Just putting that out there. Third, baptism doesn't save, but it shows you're saved. I want to show you this. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So notice it says anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. That might lead you to think that you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. But there are many other places in scripture where it says we are saved by God's grace through faith, not through faith and baptism. And there's a little evidence right here, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. That reiterates that it's belief that saves. Baptism is not what saves. It shows you're saved. Because Jesus commanded us to be baptized, being baptized shows you have faith in Jesus because faith leads to obedience. Amen. So it's not the waters of baptism That save us, and there is some bad theology out there that it's the moment you go down in this water that you're actually saved. This water just comes from SRP. Okay, it's not magic water. (laughs) Doesn't smell good. Doesn't taste good. It's just mat. It's just regular water. But it's what it represents. It represents that you've been saved and you're being baptized as an act of obedience. And we see that highlighted by Jesus in Matthew 3, verse 15. God wanted Jesus to be baptized as an example for us. Jesus goes to his cousin, John. We call him John the Baptist because he was baptizing people. And he wanted John to baptize him. And John said, I can't baptize you. Because to John, baptism represented a repentance of sin. And Jesus had no sin. And so John said to Jesus, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus told him, Do what I said. I'm Jesus. No, so here's what he said: It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. So Jesus knew it was God's will that even he would be baptized, and so he said, "It should be done." If you're sitting here and you're wondering, like, you know, I'm a Christian, do I need to get baptized? Jesus already answered that question. He said, "It should be done. We must carry out." all God requires and he requires all his people to be baptized. He wants us to all be baptized. So this brings up a lot of what if questions. Let me just hit a couple what if questions. What if I was baptized in some other religious background? People ask about that, like, especially where we live. A lot of people were baptized in the Mormon church and you seem to understand that the Mormon faith is not an accurate representation of the biblical faith just getting a little bit real here. And that always makes people in our church get a little quiet and uncomfortable. Like, oh no, what is he talking about? But it's just, it's just what it is. (laughs) So when you give your life to Jesus as the Bible depicts him, I do recommend getting baptized knowing the true Jesus. Okay, here's another question. What if I got baptized as a baby? Once again, people get really awkward and uncomfortable, but here's the thing. Being baptized as an infant might be a nice concept, but it's not a biblical practice. There's no New Testament example of infants or babies being baptized. It doesn't hurt anything can't hurt a baby. He's put a little water on his head, and you have good intentions. You want to dedicate that baby to God. We dedicate babies to God. And we say, as parents, we're committing to raise this child in the way of the Lord. But infant baptism began because in the past, there was a very high infant mortality rate, and parents wanted to feel better about the fact that, unfortunately, many times, babies would die. And so they believed that by baptizing the baby, they were saving the baby's soul. It didn't need to be done. If they actually read the Bible, they would have known it wasn't necessary because God's a good judge. You don't have to sprinkle water on a baby to save a baby soul. God can handle this situation. Okay. So it was never a biblical practice. It was a man-made tradition in the Bible. All the people who get baptized, they believed first, and then they were baptized. Go back to Mark 16, verse 16, go back to the previous verse. It said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It does not say whoever's parents believe and baptize them will be saved. Right. You've got to believe and then be baptized. So if you're wearing diapers, might be a little too early to believe. But when you become old enough to make the choice yourself, and that age is different for different people, then it's appropriate to be baptized. So should I be baptized if my parents baptized me when I was a baby? I would say Yes. You need to make the choice now that you have believed and be baptized for yourself because you're not saved by family affiliation or the choices of your parents. You're saved by your own faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't save, but it shows you're saved. Fourth, it happens immediately. People accept Jesus all the time and then they'll kind of wait to get baptized. Time will go by and they don't do it right away, maybe because they're shy. Maybe because they don't understand it fully. Maybe because they don't want to get their perm wet. Um, People will say, you know, like, well, I've still got some issues and some things I'm working on. If you wait till you don't have issues, you'll never get baptized. Because if you're like me, you'll always have issues. Amen? This is very important. You need to realize that baptism, the moment when you get baptized, it's not a graduation ceremony. It's a celebration ceremony. And sometimes people get this misconception that baptism is some kind of graduation ceremony. Like, I've done it, I've arrived, I'm a great Christian, and that's not what it's about, is it? We're not bragging about, hey, I'm a great Christian. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus saved us even though we didn't deserve to be saved. So it's not a finish line. It's a starting line. And it needs to happen quickly because in the Bible, whenever people get saved, they quickly get baptized. They're like, hey, there's a puddle. Can I get baptized there? Hey, there's a lake. Can I get baptized there? It happened quickly because it reflected the fact I've made a choice. In fact, think about Saul. Saul was a Jewish man who hated Christians and was persecuting them. He met Jesus and he became a Christian. And here's what Ananias said to Saul in Acts 22, verse 16 What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So maybe there's someone here tonight and you've prayed a prayer or you've asked Jesus to come and be the savior of your life, but you've never been baptized. And you're wondering, is it time? Here's what God says to you. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Do it. It's time. And then fifth, it's public. Baptism is public. Your faith is personal, but it was not meant to be private. Christianity, by default, is a public faith. Jesus said, go into the world and proclaim the good news. He did not say, go into the world and keep it to yourself, because you don't want to offend anybody said, proclaim, preach. It's public. Baptism is the the moment you go public. You can accept Jesus and be saved in private. A lot of people do that. They'll pray in their bedroom. They'll accept him listening to a podcast. But baptism is the moment when you go public with your faith and you declare, I have decided to follow Jesus. I choose Jesus. So if you say, I'm not ready to get baptized, it's kind of like saying, I'm not ready to tell people that I follow Jesus. So you can get baptized. It doesn't have to, it doesn't require a large audience, but I always recommend get baptized at church with your church family because your church family loves you and they support you and they're here to cheer you on. And also I encourage people to get baptized at church because it's a great opportunity to invite people to church. I don't know what it is, but there's something about baptism that if you invite people to come to support you when you're being baptized, they'll come. Even if they don't normally come to church. Like, hey, I'm getting baptized. Will you come support me? Like, yeah, I'll I'll come support you. They'll come because they love you, and then they'll find out how much God loves them. So invite... Everyone, your friends, your family, your postman, your auntie, your uncle, your neighbor, your coach, your boss. You never know who will come and support you while you're getting baptized. But actually, you're using that opportunity to help reach them for Jesus Christ. So, it should be public. It's a great opportunity. And we want to give you the opportunity after this message to get baptized. And so, here's what we're doing the next four weeks, we have a baptism opportunity every week for the next four weeks, okay? That means you'll have plenty of time to look at your schedule and find a week that works for you. Pick a week. Maybe it's not next week or the week after that, but maybe it's the week after that. If it's not that week, then look at the week after that. If it's not that week, you have priority issues, okay? Pick a week. <laughs> And sign up, you just pull out the Generation Church app, go to the Connect tab, click I want to get baptized, and then register for the week that works, and then invite everyone to come and support you. And not only will they come to support you, but a lot of them might come and really hear the good news about Jesus Christ and make their own life-changing decision to choose Jesus. So I'm excited for these next four weeks of baptism. Are you? You ready? It's going to be great. We're going to celebrate. As a church. So that's a little bit about what it is. Let me talk about what baptism represents. And this is why it's so good. Baptism represents a cutting, a cleansing, and a new beginning. It represents a cutting, a cleansing, and a new beginning. I will explain this. In Genesis chapter 21, God told Abraham to circumcise his eight day old only son, Isaac. If you don't know what circumcision is, ask your parents. <laughs> but it involved a cutting away of the foreskin, and this was the sign of the covenant between God and his people. Right. This was the sign that God promised to save through his one and only son. It was a promise to Abraham, and it extends to all of God's people. The sign that you were a recipient of that covenant and a follower of the one true God was that you were Circumcised as a male. Now, obviously, only males were circumcised in the Old Testament times. And I know the ladies, you're like, that's okay, you can have that one. Uh, <laughs> but it was the way. It was the way that you showed you were one of God's people. And so here's where this kind of goes a little bit differently in the New Testament times, Colossians 2, verse 11. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not a physical procedure. Everyone's like, whew. I didn't know I was circumcised. Okay. You're like, it says this Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. You see that? There is a cutting, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. When you get baptized, it's a sign that the old you is cut off. The person you used to be is cut away. The way that they used to cut away the flesh in a physical circumcision, you're cutting away the spiritual flesh through giving your life to Jesus, and baptism represents that spiritual circumcision. Sometimes when people get baptized, we'll give them shirts that say, I have decided, or we'll give them shirts that say, clean. We should give people shirts that say, spiritually circumcised. (laughs) It's not as catchy, but it's theologically correct. That's what this represents, that you're cutting off the old you. And that's important because sometimes people come to Jesus and they like a lot of what he has to offer. The good teachings about loving your neighbor, the blessings of God, the love of the Father. But they don't always want to give up all their old ways. They want the good that Jesus has to offer, but they want to keep some of the things from their old life. They just want to kind of like keep some of those old habits, keep some of those old addictions, keep some of those old relationships and patterns of living. They just kind of keep them tucked away like in their pocket, keep them hidden away in in the little nooks and crannies of their heart. And like they want to be a Christian, but they want to keep some stuff tucked away. That's kind of like walking around with a piece of circumcised flesh in your pocket. I'm just going to hold on to this, you know. I like what Jesus has to offer, but I'm just going to hold on to this little circumcised piece of flesh. As a keepsake. You know, my little baby daughter, her umbilical cord was about to fall off, and it just looked disgusting, like she's so cute but this little like thing hanging off her stomach was disgusting and Amy was getting grossed out my wife she said you've got to do something about that and here this thing is just like hanging by a little sinewy piece of flesh little cute baby little gross thing flapping around here and I was like well they said there are no nerve endings and you know it's just like this little piece I'm like just give me a pair of scissors and so I just cut it off snip and she was fine don't worry she was fine. Amy was grossed out. She was in the sink, like, oh, like, dry heaving. (laughs) And, you know, somebody asked me, well, what'd you do with it? I threw it away. (laughs) Duh. Like, do you know people actually save these things sometimes? There are actually people who will put... (laughs) They will actually put an umbilical cord in a smoothie and drink it for the health benefits. (laughs) That's nasty. I threw it in the trash where it belonged. It's gross. I threw it away. Sin is kind of nasty to God. You realize that the Bible says that sin is detestable to God. And so when we come to Jesus Christ, there is no place for us to keep sin tucked away, saved, hidden in our pockets, It has no place in our life anymore. It's been cut off. And that's what baptism represents. So here's what baptism means. It means say goodbye to your sinful nature. Say goodbye to your sinful nature. That part of you is cut off. When you get into the baptismal waters, what's happening here is we're about to hold a burial for the old you. It's a funeral for the old you. And I've been to a lot of funerals. One of the things I've noticed is that At a funeral, you would think everyone who ever lived was a saint, you know? People are always like, he was the best guy ever. And it's like, he was okay, come on. (laughs) Right? But when we hold this burial for the old you, we have nothing good to say about the old you other than good riddance. Because the old me was a rebel against God. The old me did selfish things and hurt people. The old me did things that were unpleasing to God. That me needs to be buried. And that's what baptism is. It says you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. So when you get into the baptismal waters, it is like having a burial, a funeral service. We are literally putting you to rest. It's like dun -dun 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 dun, 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 dun so you just picture like jesus christ buried buried in the tomb and that's where we're leaving the old you buried in the tomb i've gone down and up a lot this service uh and you know i've gone i've been doing this like this is the fourth time today so i think this counts as my ab workout just, uh. 100, okay. (laughs) So we are burying the old you, and that's important. We're burying the you who rebelled against God, we're burying the you who served idols. We're burying the you who was selfish and hurt other people doing what pleased you. We're burying the you who was separated from God by your sinful nature. That person is getting buried, and it's represented as you go down under those baptism waters. It's like saying to the old you, goodbye, good riddance. You're being buried, and that's good to know. You need to remember that because there are going to be times as a Christian when you're still going to wrestle with stuff. You're going to struggle with temptation. And the enemy will come and try to tempt you. Just like he tried to tempt Jesus. He'll try to, he'll try to wave shiny things in front of you. He wants you to be greedy. He wants you to be selfish. He'll tempt you to cheat on your spouse, on your employer, like, oh, she's not taking care of your needs. It's okay for you to satisfy yourself somewhere else. It's okay for you to have this little hidden addiction. It's not hurting anybody. That's why you have to be reminded about your baptism, the time that you were baptized, because it reminds you that the you, who used to give into those temptations, is gone. He's been buried, she's dead she's cut off, your sinful nature is gone, that person is dead, they're not alive anymore. Cut off. Say goodbye to your sinful nature. It's cut away, and it's represented by your baptism. So there's a cutting, and then second, there's a cleansing. There's a cleansing that takes place. In Exodus 30, verse 17, it says this, then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze washbasin with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be observed from generation to generation. So let me show you a picture of the tabernacle, and I'll explain what's going on there. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they had a temporary way to meet with God. They would set up this tabernacle. Tabernacle comes from a Hebrew word that means dwelling place. God's presence would dwell in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting, it's called sometimes. And so this represents how that would have looked according to the Bible. Bible, only the priests could go in here. So if you weren't a priest, you had no access to God's presence. When the priests would go in, first they had to sacrifice at the altar. This would have been the altar. Blood had to be sacrificed to pay the price for sin. The only way to pay the debt of sin is with blood. Then the priest had to go and wash in the wash basin. And that's what we just read about. They had to wash their hands and their feet to represent that they needed to be cleansed of their sins. Then, after blood was shed and they were washed, they were allowed to go into the dwelling place and meet with God. They were then allowed to go into God's presence where He dwelt. If they did not first sacrifice and shed blood and then wash and become spiritually clean, if they went into God's presence unclean, they would die. Which brings up a fact that it's a mistake for people to say God accepts you just as you are. It's not true. People say God accepts you just as you are. That's not true. God is perfect and he's righteous and he's holy and sin cannot enter into his presence. That's why he said, if they don't wash, they'll die. You can't come into God's presence stained by sin or you'll die. It's, it's true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's still true today. God does not accept stained goods. That's why you need to be washed before you can come into his presence. Let me show you what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is an exact parallel there. Do you see this? That Jesus had to have his blood shed to pay the debt sin. It wasn't shed on an altar, but it was shed on a cross. The blood he shed paid the price for your sins. And then you had to be washed clean of the stain of that sin. And it happened, it's represented by your baptism. When you go down in that water, it represents a washing taking place. After that, you were going to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's a parallel between the tabernacle worship system and the New Testament relationship we have with God. Through Jesus, we cannot come into God's presence stained by sin. So, God sent Jesus into our presence so that we could come to Him and Jesus could wash us clean. When we've been washed clean by Jesus, then we don't have to go into a tent, but the presence of God comes and dwells inside of us. We repent, we're saved by the blood that Jesus said, we're washed clean, and then the presence of God is manifested in our lives. So I need you to realize this. It's Jesus who makes us clean, and that is what allows us to have a relationship with God and to live in his presence. That's represented by baptism. The stain of sin is washed away. Amy came home the other day, this week, and she had a stain on her shirt, and I know she loves coffee, and I could tell by the color of that stain that she had spilled coffee on her shirt. I knew that's what happened. I was like, oh, you spilled coffee. And I thought about how often people are identified by their stains. People look at you, and they can see your past mistakes, and they identify you by your stains. They'll say, oh, you must have done some pretty dumb stuff when you were younger. Oh, I noticed that you checked that box. Divorced. I saw that you have a kid, but you're not married. Notice that you have a record. They identify you by your stains. But baptism reminds us that you can no longer be identified by your stains. As a follower of Jesus, your stains have been washed away. So, baptism means this for us it means say goodbye to the stain of sin. Just say goodbye to the stain of sin. When you get into these baptismal waters, you are being washed clean. This is what it represents. You're being washed clean. And that means that God, he sees you as clean. Yeah. When you came to Jesus, you had junk in your life and sin, it stains, it stinks. It hurts people and it hurts ourselves. We cannot enter into God's presence stained by sin. But man, when we come to Jesus, we are cleansed from the stain of sin. So we come to him dirty and we go under dirty, but we come up clean in God's sight. And you need to know, Mr. Clean has nothing on Jesus Christ, right? He makes us clean. And I know that if you're like me, you might've needed a heavy wash cycle, like get done three times, right? You're like, that didn't quite do it. Go under one more time, right? But Jesus makes us clean. And that means that we can boldly come into God's presence and be accepted by God. We are made clean by Jesus. That means you don't need to feel ashamed of your past anymore. The stain is gone. You can come boldly into God's presence because you're washed clean from sin. You've been washed by the blood that Jesus shed. And this is important. You need to know this that when you've been washed clean by Jesus, God will never see you as dirty again. People think that if they blow or they make mistakes, that maybe God will reject them and see them as dirty because let's be honest, sin makes us feel dirty. Sin is something that separates people from God. But even though we need to repent of sin on an ongoing basis, confess our sin to God, it doesn't change the way that God sees us. The moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the blood of Jesus forms a protective covering over your life. And you can never be stained by sin again. God the Father only sees you the way that he sees Jesus, perfectly righteous and holy. So you might make mistakes, you might blow it, but the fact that you have been washed clean by Jesus means that God only sees you As clean, so say goodbye to the stain of sin. You can't be identified by your stains any longer. Aren't you grateful for that? There's a cutting, there's a cleansing, and then lastly, I'll close with this. There's a new beginning, a new beginning. In John chapter three, verse five, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, You must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he said, how can you be born again? Do you have to climb back into your mother's womb and come out again? And Jesus was trying to explain to him, that's not the type of birth I'm talking about. Gross. He was saying, the Holy Spirit gives birth to new life. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're not receiving a better life, but you're being born again. It's an entirely new life, and it comes through the Holy Spirit changing you from the inside out, and it's represented by by baptism. You go under one person, you come out a new person. You're saying goodbye to the old you, and you're saying hello to new life. That's what baptism means. Say hello to new life. This is something we all need to be reminded of, that we have begun a new life in Jesus Christ. Remember verse 12 said, you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You are united with Jesus. When Jesus went down in that tomb, you are united with Jesus as you were baptized in these waters. And the same way that Jesus came up out of the tomb, you come up out of these waters to a resurrected new life through Jesus Christ. This is the good news, that you have begun a new life. And you need to remind yourself, no, no, I'm living the new life. I'm saying hello to the new life. Because sometimes we forget that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We need to be reminded that we have begun a new life. We are united with Jesus in this resurrected new life. That means being united with Jesus, that we get to share in his reward. He came up out of that tomb resurrected and in glory. When you begin your new life with Jesus, it's a life of glory. God glorifies you because he glorifies Jesus in you. Jesus came up out of that tomb victorious. That means that through Jesus you're victorious. Jesus came up out of that tomb and he conquered death. That's what the Bible says that in Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. Jesus came out of that tomb to have eternal life. That's true for us too. In Jesus, you have eternal life. All of the good things that Jesus earned become yours when you put your faith in Jesus. It's all represented by baptism. That's why it's such an important part of your spiritual journey. It's a physical action that represents a supernatural transformation that the old is gone and the new has come. That's why I want to encourage you. If you haven't been baptized yet, do it. And if you have been baptized, remember it. When we see people getting baptized at our church, that's not a time to just sit around like, oh, good for them. That's nice. And I see people doing this sometimes. I don't think, I don't think they're really really thinking about it because, yeah, we want to first celebrate with people who are experiencing new life in Jesus. Like that's why we're doing this, right? Because we want to see more people come to experience new life in Jesus. That's why our church is reaching the community and we're telling people about Jesus Christ. So when someone gets baptized, that's time to celebrate, to sing, to shout for joy. And then it's time to remember your own baptism that you buried the old you and begun and you began a new life in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. You're victorious in Jesus Christ. You're more than a conqueror. You're favored by God. You're a child of God. That's a time to remember what God has done for you. That's why it's an ongoing, regular practice. It reminds us on an ongoing basis of what God has done for us. I'm thankful that Jesus allows us to say goodbye to the old and say hello to the new. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray. If you're here and you say, I want what you're talking about. I want to have a new life. I want to say goodbye to the sinful nature because I realize that it only hurts me and the people around me. I want to say goodbye to the stain of sin because I'm ready to have that shame be gone from my life. If you say, I I want to begin a new life, a victorious life. I wanna be accepted by God and become part of his family, then this is an opportunity for you. And I wanna just help you in this moment to pray and accept salvation through faith in Jesus. It's by trusting Jesus to save you that you're saved. By believing that he died for your sins on the cross and that he rose again, that's how we're saved. So if you're ready today, you're ready to accept Jesus Christ. If you want what we're talking about, then pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know that I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. I can't save myself. I believe you died on the cross to pay the price for the sins that I committed. I believe that you rose again, and that you achieved victory, and that through you, I can receive victory. I thank you because you loved me first. I want to follow you from this day forward. I want to give my whole life to you, and I want to trust you to lead me in to all the goodness that God has for me. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.